Good morning and welcome to a Saturday morning, February the 5th edition of the Christian Underground News Network. I'm your host, Kurt Chamberlain, along with your co-host, Pastor Dick Chamberlain, and we are delighted you've joined us again today. We have uh, a couple of brief announcements to make. Uh, as you know, that we're, we're listened to in all, all of the contiguous United States, and uh, up until recently, uh, 33 foreign countries. We've added a couple more in the last couple of weeks. Our latest addition uh, of listeners who have listened in uh, comes from Ireland. Ireland, welcome aboard. We are really delighted you visited with us, and and we hope that you'll you'll be with us consistently. Uh, we hope that you're greatly blessed by what you hear. So we are continually adding new listeners. Our listener base is growing. And we thank the Lord for that. And uh, we don't boast about that, except except in the fact that uh, the news of what our Savior did, Jesus Christ, on a cross 2,000 years ago, we're, we boast about what he did and the fact that more and more people are, are hearing that good news. And that's what we're all about here at the Christian Underground News Network the good news of the gospel. Um, Pastor, we've got uh, some pretty serious subject matter today. Um, and it's, it, it, it seems to have become, uh, at least to the church at large, a lot less serious in the last 40, 50 years. It's uh, getting worse and also, ch- Curtis. It is. And the the church has suffered mightily for it. Um, and as evidence, we did a little um, pre-recording research uh, through the Barna Group. And uh, the, one of their latest polls, uh, basically the, the statement on the poll was that the Christian church is really messed up. Now that's what it said. And I looked at the poll numbers and oh boy, was it ever. But they gave an... Uh, Barna, George Barna, uh, gave a, an overview statement here, and I'm just going to read it before you start, Pastor, okay. because this will set the stage for everything you're going to tell us today. Okay. Um, it says, quote, if you step back and look at the big picture painted by all of the outcomes in this research project, it seems to suggest that people are in an anything-goes mindset when it comes to faith, morals, values, and lifestyle. Americans appear to be creating unique, highly customized worldviews based on feelings, experiences, and opportunities, rather than working within the boundaries of a comprehensive, time-tested, consistent worldview. If you look at some of the dominant elements in the American mind and heart today, as illuminated by this inventory, we find that most people say that the objective of life is feeling good about yourself, that all faiths are of equal value, that entry into God's eternal presence is determined by one's personal means of choice, and that there are no absolutes to guide or grow us morally. End of quote. That pretty well sums up what I saw in this in these polled in the poll data, and uh, 
<clears throat> I have to tell you, Pastor, I was shocked to see that it was, I knew it was bad, but was shocked to see that it's that bad in churches. And I think that you're probably going to uh, enlighten us a little bit and educate us a little bit as to how something, how the Christian church could be crumbling uh, in, into the, the rubble heap of, of what it is today when it used to be strong uh, and people used to know what the Bible said, what God's word actually said. There's a reason all this has happened and uh, the Christian faith has turned into a gobbledygook conglomerate mess. Why is that? What's what's the chief reason behind it, Pastor? Well, I think that uh, our our motto, and by the way, the, the title of our website says it all. Um, for what say is the, what says the scriptures, and we um, have been around a long time. You'll soon be sixty-one. I'll soon be eighty-two. I'm not going to be sixty-one. You're not. No. Oh, okay. I'm not nearly that old, ladies and gentlemen. I'm only 41. Sharon's laughing in there. Yeah. I heard, did you hear that? My wife was laughing because uh, she knows better. I, I am 61, yes. Yeah, okay. yeah. And so, and and Curtis got saved as a as a young man. At, at age 10. At age 10 at the Bill Rice Ranch, if I'm not mistaken. That's right. That's right. And I got saved at age 11 um, in... Uh, a church called Grace Presbyterian Church under a pastor who was in his first year of uh, his pastorate there, and I got saved uh, at age 11. Oh, so you're a late bloomer. Uh, I, I beat you to it. I'm even a later bloomer <laughs> in, in, in this, Curtis, yeah. and, and people who are listening, um, that I really never was a an avid servant of the Lord until... Uh, my late 20s, and uh, I became a servant of the Lord in the late 20s because I had two young children, uh, uh, and I got under conviction about not being a very good testimony to them, and I started teaching them the Bible uh, at bedtime, uh, devotions. Every night before they went to bed, I determined that that they uh, that they needed to hear something from the Word of God. I remember and, those well. Yes, and and uh, I think it led to their salvation and later on to their sanctification and service yes. uh, for the Lord Jesus Christ. And all because uh, I used the Scriptures, and that's what we're doing here uh, on the Christian Underground News Network. What says the Scriptures? Now I'm going to do something a little different today, Kurt. Uh, as I was studying for this, I, I remembered a lot of things. I remembered the day I got saved, and I told you about that. But I remembered the day that God called me into the ministry. And and it was so definite, I just couldn't refuse. Right. I was, um, uh, let, let's just go, go back a little bit. Um, you remember the old Averyville Baptist Church? I do. On Madison Avenue and. Peoria, Illinois. Sure we began I teaching there. We had a great pastor, a real good Bible teacher and preacher. Mm -hmm. His name was Bobby Lounsbury, yep. and he cut it straight. And mm -hmm. uh, during that time we were there, I taught some adult Sunday school classes, and I taught younger people in the old furnace room of the church. Remember <laughs> that? I do remember. Okay. That. Yes. And so I was teaching, and and uh, 
and pastor uh, really uh, uh, was uh, good to me in, in, in allowing me to do that because he perceived in something in me that I hadn't perceived. One day he was preaching on a Sunday morning and uh, he could hardly get the words out because he, uh, uh, he had a t difficult time with his throat and his voice. And he wanted us to pray for him. And after church, I went home and I said to myself, and I don't know why. I said, you know, maybe I'd better be ready just in case he needs somebody to step in there. And so I went down to my basement, which was a finished basement, nice, nice house there in West Peoria. And I began to work on a lesson of some sort and an outline. And I was about uh, two thirds or three quarters of the way finished doing it. And I got a telephone call and this was about two 30 in the afternoon on Sunday. And here came that gravelly voice saying, brother, this is brother Lounsbury. And he said, I, I don't think I can make it tonight with my voice being the way it is. Do you have something you can present for the Sunday night service? Bingo. God was grabbing me by the lapels and shaking me and said, listen to me. Well, I preached that Sunday night about the, the rushing of the wind in the mulberry trees from Second uh, Samuel and First Chronicles. And, uh, uh, and I preached it, had a good time. There was a famous evangelist sitting in the congregation named Paul, Paul Levine. Levine. Yeah. Remember him? I yeah. Remember yes, sir. He was the one that had that sponsored that camp. Where you went to the no Bill Rice ranch. ranch and where you got saved. And he was in there. And I remember him coming up to me after this service and saying, uh, young man, that was that was good. That was good. You keep it up. <laughs> and I got a call the next day from Pastor Lounsbury, bless his heart. Uh, and he's he said, he, he, he said, I want to thank you for filling in for me. He said, I want you to tell you, I want to tell you something. He said, I heard a lot of good things about that message. He says, and there was a rustling in the mulberry trees. <laughs> and he says, God bless you. And from that point on, I knew, I knew that that was going to be my ministry. I was called to the ministry. I didn't become a, you know, I, I stayed in fundamental churches. I went to Bible college. I graduated from Bible college. Uh, I served on the staff of that same uh, uh, Averyville Baptist Church, which was in a new, uh, a new building and running about 1,100 to 1,300 in every Sunday. And I was on the staff, pastoral staff, taught in the Christian School Academy. I taught history and, and speech and Bible and, and and uh, later on, a few years later, I began pastoring some churches. And I've been in the ministry now some 50 years. And I keep going back to a verse that, uh, that I just can't get away from. I just can't, Curtis and people listening. And it's in... First Peter chapter five, and it was written to pastors. And I've, I've lived in this verse ever since. I've got so many notes in the margins of my Bible about this chapter five of first Peter, but the first four verses, let me read them to you. 
And this will tell you what we are endeavoring to do on this Christian Underground News Network. And what all pastors and all churches ought to be endeavoring to do, right? Right. And so if you're a pastor, you're an elder, uh, you're um, a deacon, you're an adult Sunday school teacher, a child Sunday school teacher, you're an evangelist, whatever. If you're the head of a household, dads, listen to me. Listen to me. No, wait a minute. Listen to the scriptures. Because I know that as in me, that is in my flesh, there dwelleth no good thing. I know that I ought not to think of myself more highly than I ought to think. I know that I'm not supposed to be puffed up. I know that uh, I'm not the best at what, of what we're doing here. But I do know this. You're going to get the word of God time and time again and every time. Let's go to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 1. And I, I live in this in these four verses and it says this the and he's this is who he's talking to he says the elders which are among you i exhort who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of christ and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed he saw jesus christ as his resurrected body for crying out loud and this man who who administered with jesus christ who, who stood at the cross and watched him die and who saw him after he arose again from the dead and he saw him on the Mount of Transfiguration. This is Peter saying this. He says, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, ye shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. It, it, every time I approached the pulpit or, or a lectern, or was in a small group in a Bible study in my in my house. This this verse always rang in my ears. Feed the flock of God which is among you. I what is the flock for crying out loud? It's it's sheep. Jesus said famously uh, in, in the Gospel of John, he said, feed my sheep. John chapter 21, verse 16 and 17. He said, feed my sheep. The sheep are God's people who are saved by grace through faith. Those are the sheep. We are sheep. We travel in a flock. Feed the flock. We are not goats. Matthew 25, verses 32 and 33. Mm -hmm. Jesus separated the sheep from the goats. The sheep he put on his right hand and the goats on his left hand. He made a difference between them, the sheep and the goats. Yeah, yeah. And then we're not hogs. We're not dogs. Second Peter chapter 2, verse 20 
too, talks about the lost people and false prophets being hogs and dogs. And he's not God. God didn't say feed them. They're not because they're not sheep. They become sheep the moment they receive Jesus Christ, who was the chief shepherd. Psalm chapter 23, the Lord is my shepherd. The dogs travel in packs, hogs in herds. Yeah, that's right. We are a flock. And we are the flock of God. And the people of God are the flock of God. And we who are in leadership, pastors, it's us. It's incumbent upon us to feed the flock of God. Uh, I'm telling you, go to Jeremiah chapter 23. Boy, if you, years ago in the church foyer, a young lady, a young married lady, caught me and and said, um, uh, Dick, have you read Jeremiah 23? And I said, yes, I have. I've written an article about the great perversion that happened in Jeremiah 23. Let's read from uh, verses 1 uh, through about verse 4. It says, it will be unto the pastors. Now, who's this? Who's, who's he writing to? The leadership of the church. Woe be unto the pastors, the shepherds. Which ones? He said, woe be unto the pastors. Oh, wait a minute. That destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, oh. saith the Lord. What? Folks, you're supposed to feed the flock, not scatter the flock, not to destroy the, the, the flock. You're supposed to feed them. Jeremiah 23, verse 2 says, Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel against the pastors that feed my people. He says, Ye have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them. Behold, I will visit upon you the evil of your doings, saith the Lord. Are you listening, pastors? Are you listening, teachers? That's a pretty stern warning. He goes on, And I will gather the remnant of my flock. That's the sheep out of all countries, whither I have driven them, and will bring them again into their folds, and they shall be fruitful and increase. And I will set up shepherds. That's you guys. That's us guys. I will set up shepherds over them, which shall feed them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed, neither shall be lacking, saith the Lord. Now, if that isn't an exhortation to feed the flock of God, what in the world is? Look at, um, let's see, Mark chapter 6, verse 34. If, if you remember things about your Bible, this is the miracle of the loaves and the fishes where Jesus multiplied them. And in, uh, in Mark chapter 6, verse 34, and, and Jesus, when he came out, saw much people and was moved with compassion toward them because they were sheep not having a shepherd. And he began to scold them. Oh, no, no. He began to scatter them. Oh, no, no, no. And he began to teach them many things. Feed the flock. Look at Ephesians, please. Ephesians, boy, I'll tell you what, this is one of my favorite verses, uh, uh, having been a pastor and teacher. 
By the way, once God calls you to be a pastor teacher, he doesn't recall you. Uh, right. I'm 81, soon to be 82. I'm still doing this. I can't pastor a local church. By the way, in this first Peter chapter five, he's talking about the sheep which are among you, the flock which are among you. He's talking about pastors of local assemblies. That's exactly what he's talking And about. by extension, all the local assemblies need to be taught. Ephesians chapter four, verse 11. Um, let's, let's go back to uh, verse eight. Ephesians chapter four says, wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that ascended, what is it that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? Jesus went to hell. It says later on, he says he's preached to the prisoners in. That's right. Yeah. In the prison in hell. And he hell was in two parts. That's right. A place of torment. Yep. A place of rest. Yep. Now, hell is just one place. Now, he that ascended, what is it? But he also descended first in the lower parts of the earth. And he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. Feed the flock. For the work of the ministry. Feed the flock. For the edifying of the body of Christ, feed the flock. Till we all come into the unity of the faith, keep feeding the flock. Is there unity of the faith right now, Pastor? Well, from what you said from the jar, uh, from the Barna, Barma studies, no. It's no. anything but unity. It's it's chaos. Yep. And it's, almost, it's almost like anarchy. That's right. You know, the Apostle Paul told Timothy, preach the word. See, that's the food. Preach the word. Be instant, in season, out of season. Uh, he said, tell, exhort, rebuke uh, with, with all <laughs> long suffering and doctrine. So so we're, we're supposed to use the scriptures. That's that's our food. What 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 is the food for? First uh, Peter 2. Since we're in First Peter, I'll give you time to turn back to it. First Peter, chapter two, verse two, and he says this: Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisies, and envies and evil speakings. Wait a minute, who's he talking to? <laughs> He's talking to the leadership. Yes, he is. He said, as newborn babes. Oh, boy. Don't you love this verse? Yes. As newborn babes. Now, we're supposed to be like babes in one in, in one in one sense. This is as newborn babes. Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. And so what is the food? And, and and it's the sincere milk of the word. Wow. He often refers to 
the milk of the word. First uh, Corinthians one, uh, or First Corinthians three, verse two, Hebrews chapter five, verse twelve. Uh, the, the word is the word is the milk that we're to feed babes. Now, Curtis, when you were a baby, you cried a lot. I want you to know you cried a lot, and there was only one thing that ca- that stopped you from crying. The nipple. Yeah. Giving you milk. Yeah. You're always hungry, you buzzard. I'm telling you. Nothing's changed. Nothing's changed. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have to cry for it now. No. No. No, he, no I get it from something other than a nipple now. Yeah, that's right. So, it's called a crock pot. Thanks. Thanks <laughs> to my sister and my brother in law. But what is the milk for? For growth. That ye may grow thereby, the Bible says. And preachers, stop the critical race theory nonsense. Uh-oh. Stop the social oh, judges crud. They don't teach that, church. Teach the they, word they... of God. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Feed the flock. I mean, there's too many pa- pastors today, Curtis, that are fleecing the flock. Well, that's been going on for a long time, hasn't it? Oh, I know it. They're but they're supposed to feed the flock. What does fleecing the flock mean anyway? You you know that that's that that's a rather negative connotation. Yeah, well let's go back to first Peter chapter five. Oh. Neither he says, but he said not you, you should take oversight. Look to the look look over these people. Take notice of them. Take the oversight of them. Yeah. But then he says, tells you how. Not by constraint, not because you have to or that they need to be constrained, but by... Do it willingly. Willingly. Do you love the teaching of the Word of God, Curtis? Let me think about it. Yes. Yeah. Not for filthy lucre. Do you know I had to resign from one job in the ministry because I was not being paid nearly enough to feed my family? I had to go get a secular job so that I wouldn't go into debt. But I continued to teach Sunday school and later on to keep a job and to preach the word of God. Uh, Guess how much for? For free. Now I'm not boasting. Uh, I, 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 I didn't become. You know, the day I stopped being perfect was the day that the doctor held me up by my bare feet, smacked me on my bare butt, and I cried, and I drew my first breath. Did he scold your mother too? He didn't really. <laughs> but the moment I took that breath, I inhaled the sin nature. Yeah, that's it. And looking back. I know that. Yeah. Okay, it says, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre. Not to get rich. Not to get rich. And folks, uh, I got rich. Oh, not by money. (laughs) But the word of God. And it says, but of a ready mind. What does that tell us, pastors and leaderships and evangelists and and Sunday school teachers? What does that tell us? Well, it tell us tells us that we need uh, to feed with with the milk, with the 
with the meat, with the bread of life. Yeah, look at John chapter six. I call it the bread chapter. Jesus said, I'm the bread of life. Yeah. And that's, and so we need to feed him the Lord Jesus Christ, who happens to be the word of God. The word was made flesh and dwelled among us. That's right. He was called the light. He was also called, and he called himself, I am the bread of life. You do not have eternal life unless you have eaten of the bread of life, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. And so how should we feed these people? How should we do it? I've got about a minute and a half left in, in this half hour, and we're going to have another half hour uh, to follow shortly. But uh, see, there's there's four food groups. Uh, it says this. Uh, they, they are for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. That's what we're supposed to feed the people with. And we're supposed to, you know, it majors on doctrine, and it closes with instruction in righteousness. This is what we're supposed to do. That's in that's in Second Timothy, uh, verse three, verses sixteen and seventeen. That was the admonition to Timothy. And so, uh, what should we do as leaderships? What should we do as pastors and teachers? What should we do? First thing we're to we're to do is is look at Second Timothy chapter two fifteen. We need to prepare. And we'll go and with that. Okay, let's let's do about 10 seconds. It means we're to prepare. Study. We'll be back in just a few moments. <laughs> 